This is One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. One in 54 is a weekly show devoted to topics related to autism spectrum disorder. Good morning and welcome to One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, Chief Development Officer at Anderson Center for Autism, and I'm speaking this morning with Devin Lever, who is a filmmaker and voice actor. Devin, good morning. Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. So um, I was introduced to uh, one of your films um, called Galoot that we are going to get into in a little bit. Um, It's a very interesting film. I have a lot of questions about it and it's got a very interesting backstory. um, I think that you'll hopefully explain to us. But um, in the meantime, before we get there, if you would be so kind as to just give us some background on yourself, Um, go as far back as you want and add as many details as you like. Uh, and along the way, we'll just remind people how they can learn more about you and your work. Sure. So the best explanation of myself. Um, basically, when I was around four or five years old, I started displaying uh, symptoms of ASD, autism spectrum disorder. Um, but it was hard for my parents to get a diagnosis for that, as with a lot of women on the spectrum. And so I bounced around between diagnoses. Um, PDD was brought up, pervasive developmental disorder, and then eventually Asperger's were was brought up as well. And both of those were then put under the umbrella of larger ASD, I think in um, 2013. Yeah. So from there, I've, I've always been obsessed with movies and music. So I kind of made my life about that. Um, when I was about, I want to say 17 years old, my choir teacher brought me a poster for an organization called Young Arts. And I thought it was just a, a simple competition. I entered my short film at the time and ended up getting selected out of thousands of applicants across the nation uh, to be a part of, I think it was seven at the time, Mm -hmm. students who went down and got mentorship for about a week in Miami. And then from there, it was kind of like spokes in a wheel. That's really the the one instance that I can point to in my life that branched off into so many other excellent opportunities. So from there, they referred me to HBO when I was 18. I got to go on... um, and work under the tutelage of Bruce Weber, the fashion photographer, and uh, make work under his tutelage that then uh, exhibited at uh, MOCA in North Miami. And then from there, it was just more and more opportunities. Um, Before everything ended up shutting down, I ended up going to Sundance with one of my creative partners and best friend, Chloe Oktosh. We brought a short film there that she directed, I produced and did voiceover for. So it's been a a very positive trajectory, if I may say so myself. So... Sounds like it. I don't even think I, I preparing for this interview. I didn't know all those details. That is amazing. Um, so filmmaker, voice actor, um, before we get into, to again, Galoot, what we're going to talk about today, uh, a little bit more detail. Can you describe to us the, the short film that you submitted to Young Arts that got this all started? Uh, yes, it was also an experimental film like Galoot, but it was about... Uh, women and women's suffrage um, back in the 20s and through the perspective of one woman who was trying to escape from the box that society put her in. So we had these um, these sets that were all in black and white, very cabinet of Dr. Caligari-esque. <laughs> 
And uh, yeah, that, that was the basic plot of that film. And experimental film has always been one of my loves. I come from an arts family. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people in my family went to the Rhode Island School of Design, not me, unfortunately, I love it there, but I, um, I went to NYU Tisch uh, where mm -hmm. I studied film. And uh, yeah, that's, that's basically the trajectory of my life. I do more narrative stuff or documentary stuff if, if the project calls for it, but my true love and where my heart lies is in experimental media. What do you think is, um, aside from, or in addition to your personal sort of affection for experimental media, what do you think is, is um, what is it about experimental that, that you think reaches audiences in an impactful way? Is there something that stands out for you as compared to other ways of, of um, you know, utilizing uh, media, utilizing your voice and your, and your, passion? I think so. For me, at least, experimental film is so visual. Um, and that's also, I think, one of the main reasons why I gravitate towards it. It, it really just it has an understanding of the rules that are required to make a good film, but then like jazz, it kind of does visual jazz in a way. It just goes off in its own direction and allows you to explore emotions or feelings in a way that can sometimes be more present or tangible than if you were just to use a traditional narrative. So while that is beautiful in some settings, I think the beauty of experimental film is that you can just play. It's like a, a blank canvas, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that that's a great way of putting it. Um, so since, I, I mean, I work at Anderson Center for Autism, we obviously have um, some connections in terms of your personal, very personal experience um, with, with autism as a young child and, and uh, um, you know, throughout your life in whatever way, you know, that's manifested or not. Um, is there something like, I, I get caught up a lot in, in a lot of the sort of stigmas and, and um, stereotypes and, and um myths, I would say, that a lot of people have when it comes to thinking about really the way people with autism think and or feel and or communicate or don't, um, and kind of what that leads to in terms of misconceptions. Uh, one of them that I remember when I first came to Anderson is uh, a big one I used to hear a lot was, well, um, people with autism aren't social they don't want to be around people. They don't really want friends. So we don't have to be concerned about the fact that they don't maybe have friends because they don't really want to. They're happier when they're not looking at people, when they're not around people, when they're alone in their rooms. Yeah. Which, when you broaden that statement out, it's also like, okay, so they also don't ever feel things like loneliness or um, the, what it feels like to experience strong emotion with somebody near them and the shared emotional experience. Like that's kind of an interesting thing that we're just writing it all off, um, which I obviously don't believe is true, but is there in your mind is, is, or experience, is there a connection between that type of, um, filmmaking and watching or being a part of creating it that gives voice to the emotional lives of people with autism that is sometimes sort of easier for maybe the general public to just not think about or look at? Yeah, I think so. And I think that's also one of the reasons why I love experimental films so much, because it's it's been such a great way for me to be able to express myself. Um, I always think that showing people is way more um, interesting uh, than just 
telling people, um, it, you can really enhance that empathetic experience. And I think it's exactly what you were talking about, that this monolithic myth that we're just walking around emotionless or disconnected in this way. Um, I, that's not true. At least, you know, I can speak from my experience. I, I love a good cocktail party with wine and cheese, you know, <laughs> and that kind of thing where, where I can be with people who I like, you know, it, it might be more of a, a curated group of people. Um, but I still, I love that kind of thing. Mm. And I think it's important to remember that regardless of how someone communicates or presents on the outside, there is a vivid and unique inner life going on in each one of us. And that's really what I wanted to emphasize with this film Galoot as well. Um, there's just, there's all of this stuff there and it's, it can be very, very overwhelming, but at the same time, it can be so beautiful and what better way to, to show people that and to get them in the middle of this immersive exhibition where they can stand in the middle of the set that was presented on the screen when they're watching the film, mm -hmm. um, sort of cutting off their peripheral vision and, and giving them this tunnel to look through so that the, the experience of observing the film itself puts you in the shoes of someone who is on the spectrum. And that was my goal going into the whole experience. That's very interesting. Um, that is something that I, uh, I think certainly here at Anderson and also I think throughout the community has been a tough nut to crack in terms of trying to help people have those perspectives and those experiences that help them who are, who are not uh, on the autism spectrum get a real sense of, of what it feels like. However, with the caveat that it probably, you have to remember that that might only feel that way for some people with autism. Exactly. So that's another easy cliff to fall off of, right? When you're, when you're trying to wrap your mind around something that you don't fully understand or don't have personal experience with, there's this sense of, okay, well now I know because I watched this one film or because <laughs> I read this one book and, and actually doing this podcast has, has been a huge thing for me because I've gotten a chance to meet so many people who are, involved, um, you know, whether they're uh, writing books or making films or um, telling their own stories in any number of ways, raising a child with autism, working with people with autism, redoing research. It's helped me to see uh, just probably the tip of the iceberg in terms of um, what it really means for, for every individual person. So, um, so that's really cool. It's also a good place to take a quick break and then we're going to come back and we're going to dive right into Galoot. Um, and I'm going to ask you to sort of start at the beginning and where it all, where it all began. And, and then we'll get into some of the other pieces and how it's been received by the, the people who've seen it. This is 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and we'll be right back. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. And now, 1 in 54 continues on 100.7 WHUD. This is a weekly community affairs program presented by the Anderson Center for Autism. 
Welcome back to 1 in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, and I'm talking this morning with Devin Lever, who is a filmmaker and voice actor um, with a great story um, so far in terms of opportunities that you've pursued um, that have uh, come your way. I liked what you said in the beginning of the show, Devin, about uh, sort of everything turning into spokes of a wheel that kind of shot off in different directions. Um, That's a really special thing to have happen in your life. Uh, for anybody, really, when you have so much opportunity and choice. Um, and your right. choice has been to really pursue, obviously, filmmaking and, and voice acting, but more specifically, experimental uh, films. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's kind of crazy how you can point to one instance in your life or one person. Um, in this case, Adam Judd, my choir teacher, who is still a very good friend of mine to this day, Um that one piece of paper changed the trajectory of my entire life. And of course, my love of film and filmmaking and experimenting with cameras and editing systems and all of that at that age was very strong. Mm -hmm. But I think it just shines a light on the importance of having good mentors, um, surrounding yourself with people who recognize your your gifts or your obsessions and can help you to uh, get that outside perspective and channel that in a direction that can be super, super positive. Yep. I couldn't agree more. I come from, I don't come from a family of um, artists and, and filmmakers as you do, but I do come from a family of educators, um, oh, cool. multiple generations. And so um, one thing that I carry with me pretty much in anything I do is a sense of teaching and learning. And um, so I, I get that, that it's sort of once you, once you have kind of a theme in your life, it's just amazing where that can take you if you leave yourself open to, um, to life and to opportunity. So without further ado now, let's really get <laughs> into Galit, which is the film that introduced you to me um, and and we wanted to talk about on the podcast. Um, I just want you to do all the talking. Talk us through it. Tell us, you know, I I know when you um, make sure you include where people can go see it um, right now, but what is it about? Where did it start? I guess to go. (laughs) So uh, I think it was at the end of 2019, I was approached by Young Arts, which they do, I would say, every few years with possible opportunities that they think would be a good fit for the kind of stuff that I'm into. And uh, what I didn't understand at the beginning of this process was that it's it's not just a week-long competition, it's lifelong mentorship. And once you're in that network, you're plugged in for the rest of your life and you have access to hundreds of collaborative uh, opportunities with other people in other disciplines as well. So they came to me and they said, hey, there's this residency program that we are going to be doing uh, with Baxter Street at CCNY. And we thought that you might be a good candidate to apply. And I looked at the criteria and really the only thing that was coming up in my mind of, of possible subject matter that I could explore with that film was my own ASD, which I have never talked about in a public public forum before. Um, I'm really a, a product of an era where if you were able to mask, it was encouraged that you do mm-hmm. um, in order to achieve, I guess, this societal version of success. And so I, I never discussed this. There, there were probably maybe five people, a few friends of mine along the way outside of my immediate family who knew. And uh, I decided to submit this and it was a huge leap of faith. And I was a little bit terrified at the same time, but then they, they accepted my application. So I got to work immediately working on it. 
And we were supposed to start filming on March 16th of 2020, which, huh. as you know, yeah, <laughs> turned out to be a big problem. Um, didn't start then. <laughs> no, no. So we were two days out from filming when the world shut down and we had to pivot very, very quickly. But because of that, I ended up having just months and months to storyboard out every single frame that you see throughout the film. So I drew everything um, so that we would have a really, really tight uh, turnaround when we were in there because we only had access to the space for a very, very small amount of time. Mm -hmm. Um, So then finally in August, uh, it ended up feeling a bit more safe. I had safety measures in place um, and it was a very small skeleton crew and we all met up and we did this thing and then brought it to life and released it in this immersive exhibition, I would say uh, it was Autism Awareness Month this year. So like April, yeah. It started like the last week of March and then was a month long solo exhibition that went throughout April. And for that, for people who don't know about the piece, Galoot is an eight minute short film and immersive exhibition that explore Uh, the journey of the titular character, a space creature named Galoot, who's trying to find her way in the world. And it draws heavily from my experience growing up on the spectrum, primarily taking inspiration from drawings that I did obsessively when I was around four or five years old. Um, And from the, the vocal stims that I had at the time as well, I apparently dictated a lot of this stuff and my parents wrote it all down and they kept all of this material in our attic. Mm -hmm. So I looked through all of that in order to get the inspiration for the visual motifs. Um, My sister, Brenna Lever, who is an extremely talented artist in her own right, she specializes in creature creation. We've done multiple creature projects before together. So this sort of felt like a a natural extension of that Mm -hmm. and um, exploring this this topic that was very near and dear to my heart in a format that was fun for both of us and that she could also add a lot to as well, having grown up with me and seeing how it affected me. Um, And also just talking with her about, you know, my symptoms and how they manifested and incorporating that into the design of the creature itself. Um, Now, in terms of actually viewing the piece, we've applied to some festivals, so it's not digitally available. But if you want a taste of the immersive exhibition, we have a lot of those materials that are up and viewable on the uh, the Baxter Street at CCNY website. So um, I don't actually have the the hyperlink for that on hand, but updates for that will be available on my website, which is www.devinlever.com. And I also post updates on my Instagram at Devin T. Lever, and that's Lever spelled L-E-A-V as in Victor E-R. Nice summary, Devin. Thank you. Um, well done. So let me just repeat that. You can go see this at uh, get see a, a get a taste of it at devinlever.com um, mm-hmm. or or uh, check her out on Instagram at Devin T Lever, correct? Yep. And it's D-E-V-O-N. O-N. Yes. Uh, all right. So um I don't know. You just gave me a lot, but I'm, I'm, we're, we're not going to have a huge amount of time to go, you know, into a ton right now, but I just, something mm. keeps bringing me back to want to comment on your earlier, your earlier note about um, the fact that you felt the need to mask and that you were of that era when 
you felt able to. Now, I read all the time about the fact that girls, for example, um, are more apt to and maybe even more encouraged to mask if they can than boys. There's a lot of discussion about that right now. Um, and certainly, uh, I, I understand that things are shifting. They probably haven't shifted completely away from that, but certainly awareness and, and we're moving into now autism acceptance and, you know, hopefully uh, we'll get to autism appreciation um, at some point. So I'm, I'm curious now, you're a young adult, you're obviously successful in what you do. You chose this moment to share something that I didn't realize until you just said it, that you really hadn't shared publicly before. You, you obviously, yeah. the masking sort of became just it sounds like kind of who you were. And I don't say that with judgment. I'm saying it's sort of, if you, you know, kind of move forward in your life with this, and then you choose this moment to, to put it out publicly. Do you want there to be an impact for people who are uh, dealing with diagnosis and, and facing some similar challenges and sort of have an opportunity to either be more public or, or to keep it private? Do you, does any of this film represent anything like that as sort of a larger societal impact for you? Is Or is this very personal to you? Is it both? I guess how I would answer that question is it's very much up to personal choice. Mm-hmm. For me, I didn't feel comfortable until my 20s to come out about this. Mm-hmm. Um, it really took a lot of self-love, a lot of surrounding myself with people who assured me that they loved me no matter what. And I felt comfortable enough um, to open up in that way. But as you mentioned earlier in the interview, not everyone's experience is going to be that some people cannot mask. So I think what I felt is coming out about it in my way was almost a way to parse out the elements of my personality that I had been covering up for so long. And in that, it was a very personal journey for me. And hopefully, I'm I'm hoping that this can help other people gain the courage as well to come out about it and normalize it. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, we're all over the place. Yeah. That's why this podcast is named 1 in 54, because yeah. we're everywhere. And you may not even know, like the person working in the cubicle next door to you could be dealing with their own symptoms, and you would have no idea. Um, the way that it affects me, it's not as visible. I get, you know, more of the sensory symptoms. So it's difficult for me to wear wool sweaters. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, i like very specific foods um, at very specific times of the day. I, you know, it's, it's different for every person. That's the thing that I'm really trying to assert and that it's not a monolith as the media would have people believe. It's, it's as diverse as the human experience itself. So that's what I was hoping in terms of the general impact to just kind of be brave about it in my own way and, and hopefully add to the platform or this collection of voices that can assert this message. Well, thank you for doing that. I, I certainly only speak for myself, really, but I can I can kind of go out and say on behalf of everybody at Anderson um, and the people that I've met in the autism community, I, I really believe that what you're doing is just another person taking a personal experience and doing something that will impact people everywhere, somewhere, 
in some capacity. And I like what you said about it being um, just a very personal and individualized decision um, because the, I think the more people tell stories like you're telling yours and, and doing using your passion and your expertise in filmmaking to share the message, uh, your message, it doesn't mean that everybody has to do it in a certain way. It means that it's okay um, to choose your own path how you know however that takes you so i i i'm sort of at a loss because i think you said it really much better than i can but i want to thank you devin lever for being on one in 54 today and sharing um galoot and uh, and also your your experience uh as a as a human person and hopefully impacting the lives of others in a positive way best of luck um with your um with your film and getting it out in uh, sundance and other places and uh, we look forward to hearing more about your great things and if you get a chance um listeners please go see um, a piece of this at devinlever.com or follow devin on instagram and we'll make sure to put that link in the write-up when we post the show uh, Devin, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. This is One in 54, the weekly talk show on topics related to autism spectrum disorder. I'm your host, Eliza Bozenski, And remember, Anderson cares. You've been listening to One in 54, a presentation of Anderson Center for Autism. Join us for another edition of the show at the same time next week. 